0: Welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tufteller, your host. And this is our final, at least for now, episode of the Good Old Days of Radio Show that will be related to artificial intelligence, the last of ten programs that we've done. If you haven't heard any of the others, go back into the archives at the... the, um, website, goodolddaysofradio.com, and listen to the other nine, but this is the 10th one and final one, and instead of doing an X-1 or Dimension X, which we've been doing from uh, the rest of this series, we're going to go back to uh, one of my all-time favorite series. Normally, again, they do a lot of really weird uh, kind of monster-type tales on this show, but This one is not quite like that, and that's interesting because the creator of this show had a very fertile imagination, and he was able to write things on all kinds of different unusual subjects. Uh, I'm talking about Mr. Willis Cooper and the show Quiet, Please. Um, This is one that I did not have in my collection, but it turned up somewhere And uh, producer Daniel found it and brought it here and suggested it would make a grand finale for our artificial intelligence shows. Even though it's not directly related to artificial intelligence, you'll get the connection when you hear the program. It's called Is This Murder? Uh, Is This Murder? from January 16th, 1949. Here
1: we go. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. The American Broadcasting Company presents Quiet, Please... Which is written and directed by Willis Cooper, and which features Ernest Chaple. Quiet, please, for today is called, Is This Murder? Thank you very much for coming to see me. I would have come to your office, but uh, I'm sorry, infirmities prevent my going out. That's why I have to have it so dark in here, too. I hope you won't mind. Thank you, do sit down. Uh, Just put your coat on the chair there. Uh, Anywhere. Uh, Would you care for a drink? There's some excellent sherry there on the sideboard. At least I've been told it's excellent. Amontillado, I think. I don't indulge myself, but you help yourself. Please do. Amontillado. Like the stuff that the good... Montresor was drowned in, in Poe's delightful story, The Cask of Amontillado. Do you remember the story, of course? Yes. Well, help yourself. I asked you to come here because I think I need some legal advice. About murder, I'm afraid. Yes, quite. I'm afraid I'm a little hazy about things legal, so uh, do you mind? Like the sherry? I've been told it's excellent. Uh, help yourself, do. Way. I hardly know where to start, but uh, that door, that's my workshop. I haven't been in there in quite some time. Artificial limbs. Rather unusual ones, if I do say so myself. I've invented a few devices, you see, and they've been quite successful. Oh, yes. uh, A great many persons wear hands, arms, legs, and so on that I invented. You didn't know my assistant, of course. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where he is. As a matter of fact, it's Dan I wanted to talk to you about. Dan and Joyce. Joyce was his sweetheart. No. No, I didn't murder them. It's rather an awkward story to tell. Uh, Are you sure you're comfortable? Good. Have you ever read the works of Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley? Never heard of her. Well, she was the wife of the poet Percy Bysshe Shelley. She was a novelist. She died in 1890, nearly 60 years ago. But I'm afraid one of her novels is more or less, uh, responsible for what I'm going to ask you about. You don't, I mean, you aren't familiar with her works by the best-known novel she wrote, was Frankenstein. Oh, it's nothing at all like the Frankenstein you've seen in pictures. No Boris Karloff, no Bela Lugosi with a fly no weird castles. But it's a powerful book with a very important message. You haven't read it. Well, perhaps you ought to. I was talking with Dan about it one day in the workshop there we could just about make us a monster with all this equipment, Ernest. You're not a monster, Dan, old boy. i do better than Mr. Frankenstein did. <laughs> At least mine would be good-looking. Wouldn't need any spare parts of dead people, either. <laughs> no, indeed. How'd you get it to work, though? That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> this new arm almost has its own brain. Uh, not much like the one that... Uh, uh, Lionel lateral was that his name? Uh, yes, War uh, Wore in a picture. One he had to manipulate with his other hand. That's good-looking, too. right uh, no good without a brain and some live muscles to put it to work, though, is it? Nothing is. That's uh, an intriguing thought. Isn't it? What? The... Uh, A synthetic man. Wouldn't have to feed him, wouldn't have to pay him
2: wages.
1: (laughs) Great idea. Mm, And he'd be good and strong. Duralum and arms and legs. Chrome steel fingers and plastic muscles. Chromium-plated head with wide-angle lenses for eyes. Microphones for ears. (laughs) And what for a brain? You know what Frankenstein used. (laughs) Uh, A brain. The wrong kind of brain. That was in the picture. He, uh, he got a criminal brain by mistake, remember? I wonder what would have happened if he'd got a good brain. You've got the book and the pictures mixed up, boy. All right, but what would happen if you could make a synthetic man and put a real good human brain in it, huh? Mm. (laughs) Wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be... Just think of muscles that never tire. A man, a thinking man, that couldn't be harmed by disease. That would be capable of superhuman things and that would live forever. Mm. Nice. But impracticable, boy. I wonder. Well, now, look, Dan, don't you go messing up my nice, clean workshop with mechanical men. (laughs) Ordinary ones are trouble enough. That's what Joyce thinks, too. (laughs) Get to work, boy. And be careful with that elbow, will you? It bends the other way. Do try some more, Sherry. I'm told it's exit. Oh, yes. Murder we were talking about. Well, uh, uh, let me see. Uh, Let me collect my thoughts. Oh, Oh, yes, yes. Uh, This first conversation uh, that I've repeated to you... It took place about six months ago. I beg your pardon? Where is Dan? I'm sure I haven't the faintest idea. If you don't mind, uh, I like to be orderly. Methodical. Hmm. I think the next occurrence was Joyce's visit to me... Or rather, uh, I met her in a cocktail lounge downtown. Yeah, haven't been there in a long time. I dropped in one afternoon. Uh, it was three or four weeks later. And I was drinking a lemonade, I remember. My, how long it's been since I've had a lemonade. Oh, no, no, no thanks, no sherry. Uh, uh, but you help yourself. Can you find the bottle, all right? It's so dark in here but I'm afraid I have to have it that way. Uh, forgive me, do. Well, I was sitting quietly, drinking my lemonade, and she suddenly appeared alongside me, sat down at the table before I saw her almost. Why, Joyce, I said. Why? Joyce!
2: Hello, Ernest. What are you drinking? Lemonade?
1: <laughs> of course. Uh, would you have one?
2: Mm, no, thanks. I've got to run. Oh, but do have her. No, I-, I had a drink. I'm just leaving. Matter of fact, I had two drinks. Three, if you must know. I don't want any more. Why? What's the matter? Dan stood me up again. Dan? Stood you up? Third time in a week now.
1: Why, how come, Joyce, I thought you were here? You tell
2: me. Uh,
1: What? Well, I'm sure I don't know. What? You
2: mean you aren't making him work nights at the workshop?
1: I certainly am not.
2: Well, that's where he is, all right.
1: At the workshop?
2: That's what he says.
1: Joyce, uh, my dear, the workshop's right in my own home. If Dan has been in there. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Now, what have I said?
2: If he isn't at the shop, where is he? Well, I don't know. Look, Ernest, I happen to love that guy. Now, and I'd he...
1: stake my life, Joyce. He isn't out with somebody else. Uh, another girl, I mean.
2: For his sake, I hope he's not. On well, I Because if I catch him cheating on me, do you know what I'll do? I'll murder him. Mm.
1: I beg your pardon? No. She didn't murder him. I'm sorry to keep you in suspense, but I'm afraid I'll have to tell you the story in my own way, if you please. Well, Joyce went away, and I thought to myself, uh, my goodness, that Dan is a very foolish fellow. That's a very attractive girl, I said to myself. Dan oughtn't to play fast and loose with her and she loves him, too, I said to myself. But I shuddered a little when I said it. I didn't like the way she said, I murder him." No, sir. I didn't like it. But she was a very attractive girl. Yes, I know I said was a very attractive girl. A slip of the tongue, sir, as far as I know she still is. Well, anyway. I taxed Dan with it the next morning, Dan, I said. Dan, you look tired. I am tired, Ernest. Sleeping all right? All right. Here you've been working nights... Who told you that? Joyce. Oh. Said you were working here at the shop. She did. Hmm. I know you haven't been working here at the shop. Because I'd have known it. (laughs) Of course you would. Have you been working? If I have, it's been on my own time, Ernest. Joyce seems to think it's her time, too.
2: does, huh?
1: What are you up to, Dan? Listen, Ernest, do I ever pry into your affairs? Now, you don't need to take that tone with me, Dan. Uh... Dan. That girl loves you. So what? Well, now, really, Dan. I'm sorry, Ernest, but I've got so many things to think about, and I... can I help you, Dan? You think I've gone crazy. (laughs) You've never shown any signs of it, old boy. Well. All right. Hmm. Let's get to work. But I really do think you ought to give more consideration to Joyce, old boy. Listen, Ernest. Yeah? You know that talk we had a few weeks ago? Talk? Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Oh. That's right. Have you been letting that prey on your mind then? Mm-hmm. I've done more than that. Huh? Come here. Why, what? Come here. See? Well, I'll be... I told you I've done more than just think. Do you know what he'd done? gleaming chromium plated head. Duralumin arms and legs. And the fingers are high test chrome steel earnest. I used your industrial type hand, you see? I haven't installed the lenses for the eyes, but there's the selenium cells for light to react on. I've got two small microphones for the ears. And look. The hands and arms and the legs are controlled by this solenoid. Why, you're a fool, Dan. Sure. But isn't he a beauty, Ernest? You're a fool. If he only had a brain. Who's that? You idiot. Think so, huh? I'll go. Lock that thing up. It's locked up. Who is it? Why, good morning,
2: Joyce. Is Dan here? Oh, very. Well, hello, Dan. Hello. I wonder if you remember we had a date last night.
1: I'm sorry, I was busy.
2: Busy? Where? Here?
1: Yeah, here. Was
2: he here, Ernest?
1: Yes, he was here.
2: Oh. Alone?
1: Yeah, well, well, he was. Well? He was alone, Joyce. I don't believe it. Now look here, Joyce. Tell her, Dan. Listen.
2: Tell me what? Tell me what, Dan?
1: Look, this is all foolishness, Joyce. Cut it out, Ernest. Go
2: ahead, Ernest. I tell you that.
1: Hold it, Dan. Uh, look here, Joyce. Dan's been working on a project of his own. What's her name? It isn't a her, Joyce. No. Sure, Dan. Now look here. Stop being a fool, sure. Unlock the cabinet there. Uh, Don't you see you're being a fool, Dan? Open the cabinet.
2: I don't want it. Well, what in the world's that?
1: It's a mechanical.
2: It's a, it's a monster. (laughs) Oh, who do you think you are, Dan Frankenstein? I told you. Let, let's see it. Does it work?
1: It certainly does work.
2: Can it walk?
1: It's made out of some of the artificial limbs I invented. And a lot of other things, too.
2: Can it talk? Bring it out, Dan. It
1: can't talk yet.
2: Why, how marvelous. Make it move, Dan.
1: Look out. I'll make it raise its arms. Press this button here. See?
2: The other arm, Dan. Why, how wonderful. Uh, Dan! Dan!
1: And that was the first mishap. That mechanical arm, that arm of sturdy Duralum, with the fingers of chrome steel, smashed down on the back of Dan's neck like a sledgehammer. Oh, no, he wasn't killed. That's not the murder I'm going to ask you about. He was paralyzed. That is, his legs were paralyzed. He was in the hospital three and a half months. The doctors did everything they could for him, but there wasn't anything that really could be done. He was helpless. Do have another glass of the sherry. It's excellent, I'm told. Dan used to drink it. Dan, Joyce. Joyce loved it. Huh? Yes, yes, I know. I didn't mean to use the past tense. I suppose she still loves it. Huh? you right. I assure you, I'm telling you, uh, what do they say in court? Uh, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Yes, indeed. Oh, why, we brought him back here, of course. No relatives, so far as I know. And we were very close, Dan and I. Oh, yes, uh, Joyce was here frequently. Yeah, that girl really loved... Uh, <laughs> loves that boy. I suppose it was really pretty frightful having to lie in bed all the time, unable to move. Joyce used to stay here all day and sit with him. Then at night, I'd come in his room and the three of us would sit around and talk. Mostly about robots, mechanical men, monsters. And I brought the man, uh, the machine, into his room so we could tinker with it while we talked. Then we talked a great deal about it. How do you know it won't work if we put a brain in it, Ernest? It isn't possible, Dan. Frankenstein's worked. Then that's a story. Maybe. Maybe it's true.
2: How would you get a brain, Dan?
1: Frankenstein got a brain.
2: And look what happened.
1: But that was a criminal brain. Look, Dan. Even if you could, by some miracle, attach a brain to this thing... It'd work. But it wouldn't work right. Why, Ernest? Because man has no business playing around with such things. You think any brain would turn out to be evil just to punish a man for trying to create a superhuman thing like this? That's exactly what I think.
2: Where would you get a brain, Dan?
1: I don't know. Stop talking this nonsense. The thing is, Ernest, I don't think it's nonsense. Well, it is.
2: Where would you get a brain?
1: If I knew a doctor. (laughs) Well, you don't.
2: How would you know the brain wouldn't be evil?
1: I'd make sure of that. How? I'd select it very carefully. Will you stop talking about this? (laughs) Scare you, Ernest. You you don't have to be so gruesome. I'd pick a woman's brain, I think. Women are smarter than men. Dick. Want to lend me a brain, Joyce?
2: (laughs) Well, I should say not.
1: You'd have a fine time, Joyce. You'd live forever.
2: I don't want to live forever.
1: Nothing could hurt you. You could do anything you wanted.
2: And have to live in that that metal skeleton? No, thanks.
1: You'd never be hungry.
2: I like being hungry. It's too much fun to eat and drink.
1: Never be tired. Yeah, I like to be tired, boy. Good night's sleep. I wish I could put my own brain into it. Then I could get up and walk around. Do things. Go places. Oh, stop this morbid talk. This is a play toy, Dan. You talk as if it's coming to life any minute. All it needs is a good brain, Ernest.
2: Well, I tell you what I'll do, Dan. You tell me where to get a brain, and I'll get it for you. And we'll make a million dollars. (laughs) How's that? Well, good night. I'm going home. Gee, I'd certainly hate to have Frankenstein here put his arms around me.
1: Here's this murder. I mean, suppose a man does take a human brain and put it into the frame of a mechanical robot, charge it with colloids that simulate blood in the very brain structure itself. Suppose he does it successfully. Is this murder? No. Wait before you answer. Suppose that the brain goes right on living Suppose that the operation, if you want to call it an operation, uh, suppose it works, the brain will never die. Life goes on. The only thing that's missing is the body it once inhabited, is this murder. The only effect is that somehow or other, while it's in the body, the brain is capable of fine, noble feelings of love, Affection, friendship, of all the virtues, in addition to all the vices. Yes, that's true, but but when it's transplanted, well, look at the Frankenstein story. When it's transplanted, the virtues are missing. Only the vices remain. Intelligence, yes. Awareness, sentience but good is gone. Only evil remains. But that's not the question, sir. If the body only is killed and the mind survives forever, is this murder? You don't have to answer yet. Oh, you you think you know what I'm driving at. Well, we'll see. I've let the sherry do. I've almost finished. Then you can judge. Because I have another question for you. This final thing happened night before last. I went into Dan's room. He was soldering a wire under the round, chromium-plated head of this thing, this monster. Joyce was sitting alongside him, watching closely. She didn't see Dan wink at me as I closed the door. Hello, Ernest. How do you feel, Dan? Me? I feel fine. Uh, how are you, Joyce?
2: Oh, I've got a little headache, Ernest. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. Have an aspirin. I took one. Too bad, dear. Well, how's it going, Dan? I'm more convinced than ever, Ernest. Hmm, if you only had a brain. If I only had a brain. Joyce, I, I wish you could do something to snap this fellow out of this. Why? Why? Because, uh, are you starting to believe this nonsense, Joyce?
2: Well, I don't think it's nonsense, Ernest.
1: You see, she's got a brain, Ernest.
2: Well, certainly she... Oh, Dan, I'm going to take that thing away from you. Take away
1: my pretty Frankenstein? Oh, well, I should say you're not. No, Dan, listen, I don't want to say this, but uh, I'm afraid... Uh... I mean, Joyce, don't you... I mean, won't you help me?
2: Help you what?
1: Get Dan's mind off this thing, I mean. No, she won't. Joyce, uh...
2: Dan could only get a brain...
1: Joyce. Ernest.
2: Won't you help me?
1: I will not. Please, Ernest. It's all ready now. All it needs... Stop that.
2: Don't, Ernest.
1: Come on, Ernest. Help me. I won't. Ernest. Joyce. Do you know what he's going to do? What? He's going to... Ernest. I know what you're going to do. I know what's in your mind, and I won't help you. I...
2: What's he going to do, Ernest? What's... He... What's in his mind?
1: Come here, Joyce. Lean over here.
2: Dan, darling.
1: Closer. Joyce, dear. No. No, stop. Stop, Dan. Stop! (laughs) And when I came to, all there was in my mind was a confused memory of a pain in my throat in bright lights and confused voices in Joyce's laughter. I tried hard to think. I was dazed. I found I was lying on the floor. I got up slowly. I saw Dan still lying on the bed. He was smiling at me. He said something. I couldn't make it out. And then I heard his voice. How do you feel? Ernest. And I tried to answer. And it was a long time before my voice came. And finally I said, I said, where's Joyce?
2: Why, here I am, Frankenstein.
1: And I stretched out my hand to steady myself. And I looked at my hand. Arms and legs of Duralum and fingers of chromium steel. And I looked in the mirror. And I saw a round chromium-plated head with lenses for eyes and... You can turn on the light now. If you want to. I ask you the question again. Is this murder? It is. And if a steel and Duralum robot takes a life, or more than one life, is this murder. Because I have been murdered, you say. I do not live. I cannot commit murder. Very well. I told you how the force of evil has taken hold of my brain. No, I didn't kill Dan. Nor Joyce. Not yet. I told you I didn't know where they are. I do. They're in the workshop back there. I locked her in the closet where my uh, my body used to be. Dan. Why he's paralyzed? Remember. His hands are strong, but against chrome steel, it won't be murder, will it? It won't be murder either, when I kill you first. Thank you, sir. No, there isn't any more, Sherry just these. of today's Quiet Please story is, is this murder? It was written and directed by Willis Cooper. The man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And the others were Joyce, Gordon, and Dan O'Hurley. As usual, music for Quiet Please is played by Albert Berman. Now for the word about next week, here is our writer-director, Willis Cooper. Thank you for listening to Quiet, please. For next week, I have a story for you called Summer Goodbye. And so, until next week at the same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. listening reminder for predictions that have a 77 percent chance of coming true and even more listen to drew pearson on abc tonight that's abc drew pearson tonight this is abc the american broadcasting company
0: (laughs) well from the very um Strange Mind of Willis Cooper. That's his take on the Frankenstein story, at least his take in 1949. For those of you who may or may not know, in 1939, Willis Cooper wrote the screenplay for the last of the really great Frankenstein films, Son of Frankenstein, with uh, Bela Lugosi as Igor. And Lionel Atwell, who we referenced in this particular show, Lionel Atwell playing Inspector Krogh, the man with the wooden arm that goes up and down. Um, You younger folk may know that from uh, the parody of it in Young Frankenstein, the great Mel Brooks comedy. But uh, in the original Son of Frankenstein, yes, Lionel Atwell played Inspector Krogh, the man with the wooden arm that went up and down in a very strange fashion. Um, so there's Willis Cooper going back to his Frankenstein roots for uh, for his uh, Quiet Please radio shir- series. Sure, glad that one exists. Never heard it before, and somebody dug it up somewhere, and we're bringing it to you here. I love this show, Quiet Please. I think it's very imaginative. They all have a, an interesting little little twist to them, and they all are extraordinarily well written. I just hope we can find the re- remaining ones that are missing. People keep looking, but. No, no luck yet, but this one turned up, so great. Okay, that is the end of our AI artificial intelligence series. You can see how that uh, related to it, and I think it's a great way to end the series because I guess the ultimate artificial intelligence creation was Frankenstein and uh, the monster, anyway, Frankenstein monster, and that's, uh, that's how all this AI will end up if we're not really, really careful, so... We shall see, but you have been warned. Okay, um, next week we will be back with a special series. Don't think I'm going to tell you what it is yet, uh, but we have a special guest in a special series, and there will be ten of those, ten weeks in a row, with a special guest joining us for each of those ten series. So uh, make sure you listen to that. And next Tuesday, uh, some sort of comedy show, and that'll do. This is John Tefteller and the Good Old Days of Radio Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling your friends. Any questions, write us on Facebook, Good Old Days of Radio Show, or on um, the World Wide Web at goodolddaysofradio.com. Thank you. Goodbye.